Were you trying to get crazy with this scene? Don't you know I'm loco? loco? From How to Barbecue Right Studios in Hernando, Mississippi, Rooster Production brings you Under the Water Tower, presented by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Crane and Derek Biglane. Good morning, Matt. Morning, Derek. We say it's a good morning. There was a kind of a scary day yesterday. Uh, we had a uh, an incident, unfortunately, in Hernando. We don't always like to report bad news, um, but this is more just breaking news, or I guess I guess 24 hours ago was breaking news. Um, but we had a bank robbery uh, that happened in the city of Hernando. From what we've heard so far, he has not been caught. As of our recording, he has not been caught. Yeah, Derek, but definitely a, a scary situation. I mean, like you said, we don't usually lead with crime here in the city of Hernando, but really sad that that happened. A bank robbery here in, this, in, in Hernando is a big deal. You definitely know multiple people over there from a uh, banking standpoint. We know another gentleman that works there. Scary scene for them. Everybody's okay, uh, which is good. But uh, a bank robbery in Hernando or in any small town is not extremely common. So uh, as far as we know, the person came in around about 11 o'clock yesterday, 11 a.m. He came in and uh, it was a male, black male, I think over six foot, about 180 pounds, I believe is what they're putting out there. Uh, had a hoodie, had a mask on. Uh, in and out in a couple minutes, and then headed north. Uh, yeah. They did lock down the Hernando Hills Elementary School for a short time, you know, for, for a couple hours uh, to make sure that everything was clean, that they had drones going around, just keeping the children safe. It was a precaution only. Uh, there was never a threat to the school, but for precaution only. So parents, of course, got the, the schools did a great job sending out the text, sending out the message, I think, or like a roto phone call that comes out. This, if you have a child there that, hey, uh, your child, you know, the school is locked down, this is why. So there were, I'm sure there were some anxious parents, but but again, there was nothing. No, the school was never affected, never threatened. Just something that the schools do, which we're grateful for. Sure, thankful for. Um, but uh, again, it's just uh, we do live in a small town. Of course, I work for a bank. This is by far the greatest fear of working in a branch. Sure. Be our thoughts and prayers are with. You know, nothing happened. It was nothing bad that happened. But there is a lot of emotional trauma. Absolutely. Thoughts and prayers with those tellers and all the individuals in that bank that had to go through that. And just know that uh, you know we're her, Hernando community is supporting you in whatever way we can. Yeah, Derek, I saw the security video or at least the security picture. He did a really good job of disguising himself. I mean, it's completely uh, black jacket, black mask, all that kind of stuff. I mean, just tough time here. You know, for the, like I said, Southern Bank Corp there on uh, Mackinville and Bahalia. Our thoughts go out to the people that work there. I, I hope they catch this guy so he doesn't do it again for sure. Definitely something that we don't like to, uh, in Hernando, uh, something like that coming home to roost. It's definitely a scary scene. No easy segue out of that, Derek. We talk about Hernando, how much we love Hernando, and, and there's a lot of people trying to move into DeSoto County. And if you're one of those people that would like to buy or sell a home in DeSoto County, reach out to our 2021 presenting sponsor, the best real estate team in DeSoto County, Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. Give Brian and Terry a call. They are full-time, full-service realtors, which means they are available to you when you need them. Now is a great time to list your home. They are currently offering a free, no-obligation market analysis. They simply need your address. Give them your address anywhere in DeSoto County. They can take that information, let you know more about your neighborhood, your zip code, what things they're listing for, they're selling for, all that information. Brian and Terry can provide you with that. They possess over 25,000 closings since 2009 on the buying and selling side of residential real estate. They have been the number one team for over 12 years in DeSoto County. Give them a call at 662-449-1700. That's 662 
1700 or call Brian on his cell phone 901-461-7653 that's 901-461-SOLD S-O-L-D again they're offering a free no obligation market analysis call the number one team in residential real estate in DeSoto County our 2021 presenting sponsor Team Couch a Birch Realty Group Derek, we're going to mention the Water Tower Festival here in your words from the weekend. Obviously, a few other times it's going to come up during our show today. But one of the big trailers was the How to Barbecue Right cooking trailer, probably more of an advertisement trailer or marketing trailer. Had all the rubs, all the things. Man, if that's what their marketing trailer looks like, I can only imagine how good it looks at the How to Barbecue Right shop located at 496 Whitfield Drive. How to Barbecue Right Shop is our 2021 studio sponsor. They are located right here in Hernando. This store has everything a person needs for barbecue, crawfish, and all other kinds of outdoor cooking. Rubs, sauces, thermometers, cast iron, cutting boards, knives, and some really cool high-end smokers. If you've ever seen Malcolm's How to Barbecue Right cooking videos, you need to stop by his shop today. You can find them on Facebook at H2Q Malcolm Shop. Give him a call at 662-912-9947. Visit his website, howtobbqright.com. But the best thing to do is to visit the How to Barbecue Right shop at 496 Whitfield Drive right here in Hernando. Thank you again, Malcolm and Rochelle, for being our 2021 studio sponsor. It's our Tuesday show, which means we kick things off with our word from the weekend. Derek, I'm going to let you go first. You have a very upbeat word from the weekend. What you got? Matt, my word from the weekend is homecoming. 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 uh, As most of you know, if you listen to the podcast, obviously, the North Point Trojans had their homecoming game last week. And so it was a great night, uh, great crowd, great score for the North Point Trojans, which we'll get to in sports. But uh, just wonderful to see. Uh, It was the first home game, so I think that also had a lot to do. But uh, usually, I mean, just a, a... by any standards uh, for North Point, a, just a fantastic crowd. I mean, the line, unfortunately, for hamburgers was about a quarter long. What I mean by that, it literally took you a quarter to get a hamburger. <laughs> that the length of a yeah, your of brother a experienced quarter. that. Yeah, my brother experienced that. Um, but anyway, just a, a lot of uh, good things happening and a, a great night uh, for people coming home, coming back to school from college to go to a, a North Point game. So that was the first part of that. Second part of homecoming, Matt, is my family. This is technically not our home. Our home is still Natchez, Mississippi, but um, they did come. My brother and sister came in town to watch my son play. So it was very nice to see them, even even for an evening. Uh, they were only here one night, but it was great to see them, spend a little time with them, catch up a little bit. So that was fun. Um, Did they mention the best part of the weekend was me stopping by? No, that, they, far, like when I yeah. left, were they like, man, I love that guy. It was, it was just awesome. in te- They were in tears, actually. <laughs> they, were, they were tearing up. Um, so that was, it was kind of a mini homecoming and just having family in town, which was nice. Matt, the third part of homecoming was going to the square. Yep. To the Water uh, Tower Festival. It wasn't a, you know, A-Fair was a absolutely ridiculous crowd. Huge. I yes. mean, because it was the first event, basically, that was open. Uh, and, I mean, people from Jackson, Mississippi, from Nashville came down because there was something in person that was open. So it was really hectic. I mean, over 10,000 people. The Water Tower Festival was more of what you would expect. Uh, it was it was manageable. You didn't have to park too far. At no point did it seem claustrophobic as you were walking around the square. Uh, and you know, now it's also not as big of an event as the A Fair, so I don't want to say it was apples to apples, but uh, it was a great experience and just seeing a hometown come together. So just a kind of a homecoming feel. Uh, we missed it last year. Great to have it back. Thirty barbecue teams, just giving a classic hometown homecoming feel. Yep. So. 
just a, a really great week. Went up there for about an hour on Saturday. It was gorgeous weather. Uh, had a real good time. Took Again, took my sister and her daughter up there. Uh, then the last, Matt, part of the homecoming word, so it was a four-part word, is the Ryder Cup trophy. Uh, my son and I spent a lot of Saturday, uh, Sunday afternoon, excuse me, watching the finals of the Ryder Cup trophy, the singles matches, and just rooting for everybody. Just great to see the crowds. I mean, you know, golf's usually quiet, a lot of golf claps and stuff like that. But when you have crowd openly cheering for bad shots, it just makes the sport better to watch. It's fun. Yeah. And it was a murder, too. I mean, the USA <laughs> killed them. I mean, 19-9, which is the largest margin of victory by anybody ever in Ryder Cup history. Uh, so, again, it was just uh, – so that, that cup's coming home. The Ryder Cup is coming home to America, and so could not be happier about that. So I think homecoming, Matt, for those four reasons, is my word for the weekend. Very good word for the weekend. And I, I did get a chance to go by the Water Tower Festival. Guys, I mentioned just a few more moments ago saw the big trailer the how to barbecue right trailer there with malcolm's big face on it not that malcolm has a big face but <laughs> you know that's a big face of malcolm right there eating some ribs and and stuff and then that was how you went down the barbecue uh team and just like you said 30 teams were lined up uh down panola street just a really really great time in the city of fernando Derek, homecoming is going to be a good word uh, for the weekend different word for me Derek. Uh, after our show on friday friday afternoon i got a text from my wife that evelyn uh my daughter evelyn's uh, kindergarten teacher from last year uh, had passed away, uh, Miss Kristen Knight. Um, she had given 21 years there at Hernando Elementary. Uh, she was a really, really good teacher. She was Evelyn's teacher last year, and she was Hannah Grace's teacher, which would be you know 11, 12 years ago for her kindergarten. She was a really good kindergarten teacher uh, here in the city of Hernando. So teacher is going to be my word from the weekend. We take for granted, uh, we really do take for granted the people that pour into our young people, pour into our children. We don't thank them enough. Um, so, you know, Miss Knight and her family, condolences uh, definitely from me and my family, the Crane family, to, to y'all. Uh, they may never hear this, of course. But, um, you know, just a really tough, uh, you know, we didn't tell Evelyn, and she found out in, in kind of a way. So after the football game on Friday night, we had an opportunity to uh, talk to her. And, uh, you know, Heather said she saw her this weekend, um, you know, going through her annual to uh, look at Miss Knight. So uh, just tough. I mean, what a legacy to leave. 21 years, you know, I counted up roughly over 600 kids that would have gone through her kindergarten class. And, um, you know, we can talk about all these different things and, and, and stuff going on in school now, but we just – there's not enough love and praise for teachers just getting down to it. My daughters know how to read right now. Evelyn knows how to read, and Miss Knight was a part of that. So, uh, again – Teacher is going to be my word from the weekend uh, on, an, on a positive point. I mean, just a wonderful, wonderful lady, very sweet, and uh, she will definitely be missed by her NATO elementary for sure. Yeah, just a sad day. You never – I mean, she was in her early 40s. I mean, basically early, your age. 43 years old, Yeah, yes. your age. So um, just uh, you know, something that you don't think is going to happen. Uh, I mean, you, I mean, you don't, I mean, nobody ever thinks they're going to die, but, I mean, it's just something that's so young, uh, still so young, and, yes – 43 is still young um, and just uh, had been treated for 21 years and probably had another good 20 or so left in her. Absolutely. Uh, and just hate to see that passing. So just, uh, you know, I know that it was a, a school and a family and a community that's hurting because of that. And we just want to offer our thoughts and prayers to them. Well, we take it for granted, Derek. She and her mom were just about to close on a house mm. together. 43 years old. Uh, She's just about to close on a house. And like you said, probably had another 20, 30 years. You know, we don't know what the, the future was for Miss Knight, but uh, I know her past consisted of my two daughters and want to say thank you uh, 
uh, for that. Just a wonderful, wonderful lady and was a very, very good teacher. So teacher's going to be my word for the weekend. And again, if you have a teacher that you know, a teacher that's been a part of you and poured into you that you still know from your past, uh, maybe just give them a, a hello and a thank you um, for what they did for you in the past. Derek, not an easy transition. We're going to move forward. Not a lot of stuff going on in the city. Uh, city alderman meetings, city planning commission, that stuff's already done. We'll get that kicked off again next week with our first alderman meeting coming up next week. So Derek, we're going to go statewide. Good numbers coming out of the state of Mississippi. Surprisingly, you know, you would think so during the pandemic that you wouldn't have a lot of growth or those wouldn't be the numbers you'd be looking at. But tell us more about that. All right. So the Mississippi economy, uh, based on its current gross domestic product, is projected to grow during the current fiscal year at its fastest pace since 1994. Uh, this is from state economist Corey Miller that he told the legislative leaders on Friday. Uh, the GDP, or the total value of the goods and services, is projected to grow 5.5% for the 2021 calendar year, which Miller said would be the best rate of growth since the 1990s when the casino industry first took off in the state, creating that economic boom. Uh, the uh, National GDP is projected to grow 5.7%. So, again, we're right in line with what the nation is supposed to do you know, per GDP, uh, which would have been the best for the nation since 1984. The state has added 6,600 jobs through August of this year, the best rate of growth through the year so far uh, since 1998. And the 6,600 jobs added include the state losing 4,100 jobs during August as the COVID-19 pandemic surged in the state. So again, a great turnaround by the state in jobs added uh, and then especially in GDP, you know, for the 2021 calendar year. A little bit confusing to me, Derek. I mean, we, you know, media tells us one thing, what Mississippi's doing. You're saying from a GDP standpoint, it's just a record year, our biggest year since 94, rate of growth. Mississippi seems to be rebounding tremendously well, coming out of 19. Yeah, and it says also, you know, the, in the nation, it's right along with the nation, 5.7%. What you're seeing is a lot of the stimulus money that has been put into effect okay. is, I mean, people are spending it. People okay. are using it, companies. Um, now, you can argue, it was it too much or too little? Uh, you have people on both sides of that. You can argue, you know, is it being spent on the right things? Uh, it, maybe the amount's right, but it's being spent on the wrong things. I mean, you can have, you know, whatever your, I guess, opinion is based on where the money, how that should be spent. The money is there. Yeah. Uh, we know trillions of dollars have been put into the system. Uh, it is working through there. And so that's what's causing the uh, GDP growth in both Mississippi and, uh, and for the nation. You know, but what, of course, could be on the other side of that is inflation, sure. rising interest rates. And that's what everybody's kind of looking for, kind of expecting, watching what the Fed does. So I think, you know, all that is, is intertwined. But it is the facts. It is that Mississippi is adding jobs. We are uh, increasing our GDP. Uh, and yes, a lot of that, some of that or a lot of that would be the Fed stimulus money. Don't expect that to be a year-over-year 5% increase. I think next year will be lower than that. Uh, but it does show that Mississippi, you know, in some form or fashion, is using the money in the right way. Well, that's always good to have positive news about Mississippi. Uh, growth is good. Jobs are good. People, uh, you know, experiencing Mississippi the way it should be uh, is definitely a good thing. Speaking of growth and spending your money in an odd way... <laughs> That's the way we're going to transition over to this. Derek, there's uh, some talk down in Jackson about cannabis. That is right. Tell us about that, about cannabis, something going on down in Jackson, uh, maybe possible special session. We voted for it last November, mm -hmm. the state of Mississippi, over 70% approved or allowed or voted in favor of medical marijuana coming to the state of Mississippi, and now we're working through that again. What you got? Kind of catching them up that, yes, we did vote on it. It was approved. I think it was 74% of the people voted for it. Uh, it was set to be put into 
law uh, during the session that ended the spring. However, there was a lawsuit brought forward by the Madison mayor that said that it was not done correctly, that there was, uh, at the time, it says four districts, there are now five districts, so the number of signatures required to get it on the ballot was not constitutional. The Supreme Court found in favor of that, and so therefore it was the, the voting was cast out. It wasn't saying that the people didn't want it. It was saying it was done incorrectly, and so the, the legislature heard or is hearing that 74% wanted this. So they are trying to take that and go ahead and make it a bill so we don't have to vote on it anymore. They're going to actually make it a bill. Hey, real uh, quick, the Madison mayor was the person that kind of spearheaded that, per se. That's right. Is she Has she come out, and I don't know exactly, has she come out and said, not in my town type Madison stuff, or she just says, hey, she just wants to be right? Well, we'll see. We'll because see. Okay. Uh, as part of this, cities and counties can opt out. Okay. So now, I'm not saying that the people who did the original push for the signatures are going to be in agreement with what is, is put into place. Okay. Uh, but what they, uh, you know, the legislature in the House, have they obviously heard. When you have 74% of the state vote for something, they understand their jobs could be on the line Correct. if they don't move something forward. So since the mo- end of March, beginning of April, when the um, you know, signed on, when the, the legislative ended, they have been working, the House separately from the Senate, have been working to try to draft something that they can kind of come together on as an agreement to get a bill passed that would become law for medical marijuana in Mississippi. Now, the governor has said, you know, look, I'm not calling a special session unless y'all are really close on an agreement on both sides so we can get down there, you know, because it costs taxpayers, right. of course, you know, thousands of dollars every day that they're down there in session. So he said, I'm not going to call it and y'all spend a month debating this. Y'all better have it pretty close to where y'all are in agreement to get this thing done, you know, hopefully as soon as possible within a, you know, a few days. Well, the House and the Senate believe they're there. The House uh, Speaker, the Senate uh, Leader, they believe that they're there. And so as early as Friday, they will probably ask the governor to call a special session to meet probably sometime, maybe beginning as, uh, as early as next week, to sit down and start putting this, uh, you know, calling everybody back. Okay, I think most of the leaders have seen it. I'm sure they're talking to the lower members of the House, lower members of the Senate. Hey, this is what's in there. Do you have a problem with this? And they're going to, you know, present this and hopefully pass something. Now, because this could be done in the next month or so, we will cover it, you know, if and slash when it is passed. I do want to mention some of the things that are currently in the proposed draft. Again, the proposed draft, all of these could change or none of these could change. Um, But there's several things. And Matt, we'll start with the one that you brought up. Cities and counties could opt out. So if this is passed, a city Hernando County, DeSoto could say, you know what? We don't feel comfortable with that. We're not going to allow this in our county, in our city. And the leaders with the 90 days of the past legislation, so with the 90 days of this becoming a law, if they say, hey, you know what? 1,500, I think it's 1,500 signatures or something like that, have said, we don't want this in our county. We don't want it in our county. But the voters of that city or county could then ask for it to be put back on a ballot, at a local ballot for it to be put back in. So it's not like, we're not saying that the mayor is going to speak for all of us. If, sure. Now, he may, there may be cities like, we don't want it at all. But it may, other ones say, you know what? Y'all did this. You didn't ask us. We want to put it on the ballot. And so they'll, they'll, there's some language in there where cities kind of could opt out, but voters could still opt back in. Another one, Initiative 65 conditions are covered plus some others. So originally, um, you know, it was talking about all the people that could receive uh, medical marijuana. They've added some people with, um, you know, it was hepatitis, Alzheimer's disease, but now spastic quadriplegia and other unfortunate type of uh, injuries or something like that could also be added. Uh, that's they're, they're being looked at. Physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, optometrists would be allowed to certify a patient's use of medical cannabis. 
So, I mean, all the way up to your eye doctor for severe glaucoma, something like that. That could be added in there. Or it is shown in there right now. That could be a part of the, uh, the law. Smoking cannabis would be allowed. So, you know, a lot of this was in different type of forms. Right. There's been a debate on whether or not this would be allowed smoking by cannabis. Right now, it is written in there that it could be allowed. Again, that could change. I'm just saying what's kind of being uh, given to both uh, the House and the Senate right now. We, we know this will stay in there. Medical marijuana will be subject to a sales tax and an excise tax. The government is involved, my friend. It will definitely <laughs> They're going to get their money. Um, it'll be set, right now, it's currently at 7%, which is the state's sales tax. Sure. So that's, that's current, as well as a $15 an ounce excise tax. So an extra tax at $15 per ounce above the 7% sales tax. So they're going to get their money off that. It could change to $10. It could increase to $20, but expect to see taxes on both sides. Uh, outdoor growing would not be allowed, nor home growing. This is interesting. Lawmakers during hearings this summer were told by officials from other states that regulating growing and safety of medical marijuana is easier when growing indoor facilities. So, yeah. so you have to have, if you're going to be a company that does this, you have to have an indoor facility. So it looks like they may make it, yeah, indoor only, no home growing. Uh, state health departments could be in charge, or excuse me, would be in charge with the Department of Revenue Agriculture Commission sharing some responsibility. So you have a couple of you know, departments uh, in the government that will be overseeing this. Uh, the preference would be given to in-state companies. So the hospitals, doctors that are prescribing this or that are, are you know, having this done for their patients, you know, they look to, you have to buy from a Mississippi cannabis, you know, company first uh, would be, you know, that would be put in there. I, what I was going to say was that, and that probably consists of someone, an outside cannabis company from another state with a Mississippi LLC. So don't, don't let it fool you. We're not, we're not, <laughs> we're not picking up from Brown's Dairy over here at the at the <laughs> no, farmers market no. or something like that. So don't let well, it fool you. Know, you. Brown could decide he wants to do an invoice. You know, hey, Brown may um, become may become the new, new green. Uh, and then lastly, of course, the, the potency would be regulated. So there would be a THC potency limits of thirty percent on flour, sixty percent on concentrates and infused products. He said any product above thirty percent THC would have to have a warning label. Now, there's been, again, these are all things that are proposed. Uh, we've talked to a, a state senator, and he has mentioned that, you know, potency could be something that is discussed because he has heard from other families, he's heard from other people in other states where, you know, there are some, you know, horrific children's diseases where the potency might not be enough, you know, for that child or somebody that's in severe, you know, stage four cancer, that the potency might not be enough. And so there may have to be adjustments of those limits. Uh, there's also talked about uh, currently there is a thousand, like there could be no cannabis uh, dispensary or, or set up anywhere within a thousand feet door to door of a church, school or funeral home. State Senator, he mentioned that he would rather see it go from property line to property line, which the doors could be obviously set back off the road. So it would be, you know, it could be, you know, a couple thousand feet more than just a thousand feet door to door. So there, having grown up in the funeral home business, why, why are funeral homes involved in that? You know, that's a good question. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I, I don't, I, I don't will know. say this. I bet you it's you know, just for respect, out of respect. Oh, okay. You know, just. You don't want somebody, and again, these are just the growing dispensaries. I mean, if you were actually saying like a retail store and right. somebody token in front of a funeral home, okay. that would really make sense. Since these are the dispensaries and people that are actually just manufacturing the marijuana, that's a good question. I don't know. That's a, um, that's a it's question. a good question. But again, so I mean, he he's already saying that he's got uh, you know maybe some wording he would like changed, maybe making it from property line instead of door. And so there, I would expect to see some tweaks in, sure. in these categories as well you, as you others. You said tweaks, not tokes. Uh, tweaks, tweaks. Tokes. I'm sorry. Tweaks. Go ahead. Keep going. Um, but yeah, so but I, I think this is what the voters want. Uh, to be honest, I'm 
I don't really have an opinion. I'm neutral on this. Um, I think a lot of I, I won't say a lot, but it, it, the 74 percent maybe wasn't in favor of something necessarily. They they were just like, hey, it's 2021. I'm know, okay with it. I'm thankful that I don't currently have anybody that would qualify Correct, for yes. this. If I had a family member going through cancer, if I had a child suffering from some you know terrible disease and they were in severe pain and they could qualify for this, I'm sure that I would be adamant that this could be passed as soon as possible so we get this done. So again, everybody has a different life story. Everybody's going through a different th- phase of life right now. Uh, so I am neutral because it does not affect me. I'm definitely not against it, you know, but as you said, I mean, I voted for it uh, on the ballot because I don't have anything against it if right. it's done right. right. Um, so we'll see now. I'm, people will come back and say, we shouldn't let the government control anything. We wanted it as a uh, amendment to the Constitution because it takes it out of the legislature's hand. I understand that, you know, but, you know, and if they want to do that again, I guess they could. Uh, but, the, you know, the legislature looks like they're trying to do the right thing. I know that Senator Blackwell uh, and, you know, Mike McClendon is the one that has kind of offered his views. Senator Blackwell is one of the main ones that has been pushing for this. And he's one of the leaders that are getting this information along with Delbert Hoseman, the lieutenant governor, that's working from the Senate side. And, of course, the House side has their own uh, leaders doing the same thing. So, again, expect to see a special session requested probably by Friday, around Friday, and for them to start meeting probably as soon as uh, at the end of next week. So we'll see how that goes. Podcast listeners, you now can understand our music for today was a little Cypress Hill, um, which, you know, if we're going to talk cannabis and we're going to talk about, uh, you know, growth of marijuana, uh, you know, we're definitely going to listen to a little Cypress Hill. So some of our older listeners probably did not know. Actually, our older listeners probably think a little bit more Bob Marley, a little Willie Nelson uh, type stuff. I, th- I think Willie's off of it now, though. I think I've seen that. Yeah, I mean, I think Willie's made some life changes. I'm, yeah. I'm happy for Willie. I mean, it was what, pushing what, 85? <laughs> Now? I mean, he's, he's pretty old. He's pretty old. <laughs> I think I think Willie's making some rest of life. Changes I will say this: him. you know, you think when you, I mean, you don't ever want to make light of anybody passing away. Sure. But think about you know all some of the artists that have passed away and the fact that Willie Nelson is still alive. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's lived a hard life and he's still going. Still he's going. still going for sure. Well, guys, speaking of green and speaking of growth, definitely want to recognize our sponsor, Green King Services. Since 2001, Green King Spray Services has been helping home and business owners enjoy lush, healthy, weed-free outdoor living spaces. They refuse to settle for the status quo, continuously researching and testing the very latest methods, products, and strategies to ensure your lawn looks better than the other guys. With technicians trained and educated, with hours of continuing education and seminars each year, Green King is committed to doing everything they can to make and keep you satisfied. You can reach them at 662-892-8419, again, 662-892-8419, or visit them on their website, greenkingspray.com. Remember, if you want it green, call the king. Derek, keeping with the uh, green and growth theme, podcast brought to you by Williams Services. Williams Services is a veteran-owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care, landscaping, mulching, and more. Owner Richard Williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs, whether it's lawn care, leaf removal, tree trimming, fall cleanups, anything on the outside of your residential or commercial property, give Richard and his team a call at 662-292-8855. That's 662-292-8855. I continue to say, no job too small, no job too large. If Richard can't handle it, he will help you find someone that can. Find more information about Richard on Facebook at Williams Lawn Services. And again, it's phone number 662-292-8855. 
Lauderdale Insurance Agency, your local state farm provider, is located at 11 West Commerce Street, directly across from the Hernando Post Office. Lauderdale Insurance is owned and operated by Sam Lauderdale, former alderman and local resident of Hernando. His team specializes in insurance for life, home, business, and auto. Mr. Sam encourages you to compare coverage, service, and price, but feels confident Lauderdale Insurance Agency should be your insurance provider. Please call Sam, Sherry, Angie, or Jennifer at 662-429-5213. Again, 662-429-5213. Or find them on Facebook at Lauderdale Insurance Agency. Podcast brought to you by DeSoto Family Dental Care. DFDC has been a presence under the water tower with over 60 years of combined dental experience. Doctors Seymour, Paroli, and Trotter are committed to providing a gentle and caring approach while focusing on the aesthetic beauty and long-lasting health of your smile. The practice is open Monday through Friday, providing hygiene appointments, general dentistry, implants, implant-supported dentures, and now Invisalign. DFDC makes use of modern technology such as digital scanning, intraoral cameras, digital x-rays, and autoclave sterilization. An in-house lab allows your dentist to be fully involved in the lab process from beginning to end. You can be confident that the goal of each staff member is to create a comfortable environment to provide you with, with relaxing, personalized dental care. Visit their office today to see the DFDC difference. You can give them a call at 662-429-5239. Again, that's 662-429-5239. They are the official dentist of the UTW podcast. We hope you will consider making them yours. Thank you again to the Soto Family Dental Care. Well, Derek, our Tuesday show always consists of, not last week because we filled it, we filled that spot with, with our city attorney, the new Hernando city attorney, uh, Steve Pittman, took the D.C. Fact of the Week spot last week. But we're going to go back into it this week. The DeSoto County Fact of the Week brought to us each and every week by the DeSoto County Museum, Rob Long and his team at the DeSoto County Museum, located across the street from Bancorp South on Commerce Street, open 9 to 5, Tuesday through Saturday. That's 9 to 5, Tuesday through Saturday. Swing by, let Rob Long and his staff show you around the museum, all the different information, the great, wonderful displays and exhibits that exist there at the DeSoto County Museum, 9 to 5, Tuesday through Saturday. Derek, DeSoto County Fact of the Week, not a long one. All right, it's a a short DeSoto County Fact of the Week that Rob sent us, and it's it's actually part in, part out of Hernando. Uh, This one has to do with Nesbitt. Speaking of uh, Nesbitt, kind of where it uh, got its name from, uh, Nesbitt was originally known as Nesbitt's Station, with an S, Nesbitt's Station. There was a post office operated under the name of Nesbitt's Station from 1869 to 1881, and then in 1881, it actually is when it was officially changed to begin operating under the name of Nesbitt. So it went from Nesbitt's Station, and, and the way it's written is S, no apostrophe, Nesbitt's Station from 1869 to 1881, and then began operating under the name Nesbitt in 1881. So, of course, we know that there still is a post office there. Uh, I do not have, uh, was, did not clarify with Rob whether or not that was where the original post office sat. I don't believe it is. Um, I think there was actually a, a house or something that used to, it used to sit where the current post office is. Uh, but again, this is uh, Nesbitt started, so the unincorporation of Nesbitt began there in 1869. Uh, and under the current name since 1881. Thank you, Rob, for the information for the DeSoto County Fact of the Week. Again, DeSoto County Museum, 9 to 5, Tuesday through Saturday, right here on Commerce Street in Hernando. Podcast brought to you by North Mississippi Dumpsters. 
North Mississippi Dumpsters is a local small business offering service seven days a week. They currently serve DeSoto, Marshall, Tate, and Tunica counties. They work with real estate professionals in house flipping, landscaping, new construction, renovations, and business disposal, but really want to focus on homeowners who need to clean out their houses, yards, attics, basements, or sheds. They carry 13 and 20 yard roll off dumpsters that are carefully loaded and unloaded as to not cause any damage to your driveway. Their dumpsters are in great conditions so as to not be an eyesore in your driveway. You can call Joe and his team at 901-299-0916, but the best thing to do is to look on their website, DeSotoDumpsters.com. Pricing, book a dumpster, book the pickup. Any information you need about North Mississippi Dumpsters can be found at their website, again, DeSotoDumpsters.com. North Point is thankful for all the support given to the David Manley Golf Tournament. More than 25 teams played in the tournament on Thursday at Wedgwood and more than $40,000 in gross revenue was raised for the fund. The David H. Manley Fund supports, of course, the David H. Manley Scholarship was awarded annually to a graduating senior in the amount of $7,500, annual missions projects, and the David H. Manley Charitable Tuition Grant Fund, which provides tuition grants to single-parent families attending North Point. And if you are one of those families looking to attend North Point, please contact Sheila Sharon at 662-349-5127, again 662-349-5127, or email her at sshero-n at ncstrojans.com and schedule your personal tour. Don't delay, call today. Derek, as we mentioned earlier in the show, you mentioned the Water Tower Festival this past weekend. With the Water Tower Festival, the Hernando Farmers Market took off for the week, but really glad to welcome them back to the square this week. The Hernando Farmers Market brings together the best of local food, artistry, and the agricultural traditions of the Mid-South. It's a place to shop, it's a place to gather, but more importantly, it's a rare chance to experience the simplicity of a Mississippi small town. It is truly a fresh local experience. For information about the Farmer's Market, contact Gia Matheny at 449-9092. That's 449-9092. The Hernando Farmer's Market is open from May 1st through October on the historic Hernando Square from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. every Saturday. That's 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. every Saturday. They've recently added three meat farmers to the market. They have everything from fillets, bone-in ribeyes, baby back and spare ribs, sausages, tons of roast, and you can even purchase a quarter, half, or whole cow. As we joked about last week, that is not the actual cow that you could take <laughs> home with you from the thing. I know most kids would really like that. That'd be a, that would be a that might be part of the kids' day when they can take a cow home with them. Yeah. Might be uh, well, I'm going to let you explain to the kid what that means. Yeah, you no, buying a half no. a cow. Those vendors are Brown Dairy Farms, Kendall Cattle Beef, and Rickman's Meat Company. Please come out and see those three vendors, as well as over 50 more vendors, this Saturday from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. on the historic Hernando square Derek you mentioned the North Point Trojans celebrated homecoming this past week and as we continue to joke that was their first home game of the season that's going to kick off no pun intended our pigskin talk here in just a few minutes but let's talk about volleyball and let these young ladies that play volleyball for the three teams that we cover get a little publicity themselves what you got well, Matt, in volleyball, we are short on stats uh, from last week, but we do have scores from all three schools, and we do have stats for the Hernando Lady Tigers that we'll talk about last. The Lady Trojans last uh, on Thursday made short work of the Lady Chargers 3-0. Not much drama in that match. They returned to action tonight 
against the Hernando Tigers in That's Hernando. Right, big game, yeah. It's a big game, and so again, we'll probably I'll briefly mention that again when we talk about the Lady Tigers. And then they have another match on Thursday before starting their regional tournament. Will start this upcoming weekend. So, so a very busy week for the Lady Trojans, playing some non-conference games to really tune up for that regional tournament, where they'll be the number one seed. Next, the Lady Patriots battled the Lady Tigers uh, last Thursday night. Remember, we did not we weren't able to cover this on our Friday show due to us recording on Thursday afternoon. The Lady Tigers, Matt, pulled off the upset, yep. beating the Lady Patriots, who were at the time number one in DeSoto County in 6A, in five sets. The Lady Tigers actually lost the first two sets, 21-25 and 14-25, but then rallied back to win 25-20, 25-11, and in the final deciding set, 15-13, uh, to take the match. I, be, I bet that gym was really loud. Oh, I bet it was loud, <laughs> rocking. What a great <laughs> Absolutely, atmosphere. Absolutely, yeah. Again, a great matchup against a seasoned Lewisburg team and an up-and-coming young Hernando team. Uh, some of the stats from that game, uh, Ainsley Copeland had six aces and four solo blocks. Kristen Cleveland and A.C. Callum both had 10 kills. Jaden Moore had 44 assists, and Riley Eister had 23 digs to lead the Lady Tigers. Uh, the yeah, Lady, and those stats were not for the Patriots. That was for the Lady Tigers. That was all for the Lady Tigers. The, Lady Tigers uh, yes. you know, the Trojans and the Lady Patriots did not put out stats from their game on Thursday. Again, please, if you do, you know, we love to put it on Twitter, put it somewhere. We'll be happy to give those girls credit for all the hard work that they do. The Lady Patriots will uh, next host Bartlett tonight. Bartlett will come in town for a non-conference game. And as I mentioned, the Lady Tigers will play uh, host at North Point tonight. They will then play at Olive Branch Thursday and then in the county tournament Saturday that's being held at DeSoto Central. As you can hear our voice, if you're listening on Tuesday when we first release the show, tonight's game is senior night. They will be recognizing the seniors tonight. Raleigh Eister and I think a couple of others uh, for sure will be the seniors being recognized tonight as they host North Point. Um, should be a good match, though. Right oh, should be, I mean, North, yeah. North Point's been playing very well. Right. Uh, they both, I, I believe they both beat South Haven 3-0 when they played them. So, you know, sounds like it should be a pretty good matchup. We're really looking forward to it. Absolutely. Congratulations to all those young ladies for continuing to have a volleyball season. Uh, great job. Really, really look forward to the county tournament. Going to have a lot of information on that. And again, I'm pretty sure the uh, state champion will run right through DeSoto County. So we look forward to that coming up pretty soon. Well, Derek, let's turn our attention to the homecoming game, the North Point Trojans. I made the right pick the other night. I said the Trojans were going to win. <laughs> However, I was definitely wrong. So I'm going to eat some crow again. The North Point Trojans opened up a can. And you know what I mean. What you got? All right, the, yes, the Trojans versus the Trojans. Uh, this was a beautiful night and a huge crowd, as I mentioned earlier uh, in my homecoming talk for this game. Matt, at the end of the first quarter, the score was 7 nothing. At the end of the second quarter, the score was 42-6. to uh, There was an absolutely <laughs> offensive explosion from the North Point Trojans in the second quarter. Uh, there were two Jackson Thomas and TDs uh, from Jack Patterson and one to Christian Gillen. There was also a one-yard Josh Fisher TD run and a 57-yard Pick six by James Smith. All that happened in the second quarter. And the Trojans then scored on their first possession in the third quarter to take a 49-6 to lead. And then they started to rotate players in as Milliton scored one in the third and then one more touchdown in the fourth for the final score of 49-20 to for a great homecoming win for the North Point Trojans. Uh, as mentioned, Jack Patterson was 13 of 17 for 279 yards, three touchdowns and two interceptions. The leading receiver was Jackson Thomason with three receptions for 90 yards and two touchdowns. He was also the leading rusher with 25 yards and a touchdown. And just for good record, he also had two interceptions on defense. So I'm going to say that my player of the week yeah, this week real. was Jackson Thomason. Uh, the Trojans are now 2-3 and, and will start district play this Friday when they host 
St. George's at home. So what time is that game Friday? The game, 7 p.m. Friday night, St. George's at home. 7 p.m. Friday night, St. George's at home. Definitely a big rivalry. Yeah, and uh, St. George's plays good football. Yeah. So definitely try and come out, uh, you know, if you can, come out and, uh, you know, witness that. We're going to talk more about that on Friday for sure. So, Derek, real quick, and we'll move fast. My big thing on Friday was the fact that they were changing midstream on the defense. Did that seem to make a really big difference about not just you know the, the ends not rushing in, but more of a looping and trying to push the people players? Man, man it was they, they played downhill. I mean, they okay. moved one you know one guy off the line, moved him back, so went from a four two to a three three. Moved the one guy back. I mean, you could really see the linebackers coming downhill, flowing to the ball, looked really good. Now we're talking about a two and three millions in central team. Sure. Not really sure the strength of the they beaten a couple of teams. Obviously, Bolton I think was one of them. Don't really know. Know, you know the quality of teams that they played uh so i would venture i would like to have seen maybe this against uh the water valley or against brighton sure. see if maybe we had changed something at halftime but they really looked like they were coming down of course you had a week off so anybody yeah. that was kind of hurting sore or whatever you know they feeling better so it was a lot of energy on the field and of course it's homecoming you're yeah, showing out for the home crowd first homecoming first first home game yeah, and home game. you know and homecoming so a lot of maybe they're showing out for that too but you know obviously they're going to try it for the next week this week. We'll see how it goes. I'm really looking forward to this. St. George is beatable. Um, I'll, you know, this is that we've played two similar teams. Uh, we lost to both, to both similar teams within re- like We put up a lot more points than St. George's. They played better defenses against those teams. We put up a lot more points than St. George's did against those teams, but we both had losses against those teams. Yeah, so I think it should be a great matchup. I'm really looking forward to hopefully getting the uh, Trojans to 500 and more importantly, one and zero in district play. Changing the defense, but getting some of that on film for you to show your boys. All right, here's what we were doing. Here's what we're trying to do now and putting some film on there so you can see. Congratulations to the Trojans. Let's move south. We're going to come down Getwell Road, take go east on 69, over to Lewisburg. Derek, what did Lewisburg do this past Friday night? Matt, it wasn't uh, good of a game for, for Lewisburg. They did have to travel to Horn Lake um, and play a tough uh, Horn Lake team. Started the first quarter only down six to nothing, but then Horn Lake poured it on after that. Now, Horn Lake was led by Mississippi State commit Janoris Hobson, who had four touchdowns in the game and led the Eagles to a 42-7 victory uh, over the Patriots. Uh, For the Patriots, Gunnar Gilmore was 9 of 20 for 152 yards, passing with one touchdown and two interceptions. Miles Smith led the Patriots in rushing with 13 carries for 61 yards. Cole McKinney led the Patriots with four receptions for 59 yards and the lone touchdown. Lewisburg is now 1-3, 0-1 in district, and their next game is at home versus, I guess, county and city rivals, Center Hill. It's going to be a tough – I mean, Lewisburg's trying to figure some things out. Going to be a long season, I feel like, for the Patriots, for sure. Horn Lake's not a bad football team, and like you said, a Mississippi State commit, anytime you have a high D1 candidate or high D1 player uh, you know, at your disposal, you can get some get some work done, for oh, yeah. sure. So, yeah. you know, keep your head up, Lewisburg, and uh, we'll talk more about you on Friday night, but uh, it definitely did not go your way on Friday. Well, Derek, speaking of not going your way, I did pick a Tiger win on Friday, um, but – it was a long, tough night for the Hernando Tigers. I will say this. I was there on Friday night. Wonderful crowd. They recognized the HIFA, the uh, Hernando Youth Football Association, had teams that were recognized and got to run through the tunnel. The cheerleaders got to go out there and be a part of the tunnel. Um, the cheerleader camp that my daughter was part of last weekend, they got to come out to the game. So uh, definitely well played uh, by the by Hernando to have the gate, <laughs> Ma- massive, uh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, definitely a good job by them to uh, you know charge the $6 to the parents and grandparents for about three or four minutes of, of before some cheering. The game before the game started. <laughs> before they cheered the game at 5.50 started. and 
then they had to stand around for an hour. So very interesting. But again, well, well played for sure. I think it was a pro- if it wasn't a record gate, I definitely would put it right up there uh, for sure. But the Hernando Tigers did not get it done. Tell us about the game. A few stats. Matt Hernando, they just start off slow. Um, again, the end of the game, they were you know knew this was going to be a tough matchup. I actually picked the Tigers to win. Um, I think you picked the other Tigers to win, and so you were correct. So don't give yourself too hard of a time. You did pick the <laughs> correct Tigers. Yep, uh, I went with Hernando Tigers. I thought they'd be able to score with South Panola. Uh, I thought the defense, you know, the defense didn't, you know, had to struggle against Lausanne, but Lausanne's a, a great offensive team. So I, I didn't think, you know, looking back what South Panola had, I didn't think they could score, and they really didn't. I mean, they put up 25 points. I mean, that's I thought the game would be a lot closer, to be honest. Uh, Hernando, that slow start, they ended the first quarter down 12-3. to uh, the South Pinal defense held them for most of the rest of the game with the Tigers punching in a touchdown from Wilkie, Zach Wilkie, passed to Eli Mashburn with just a few seconds left in the game. Uh, obviously, it was too little too late. As South Panola ended up taking the game 25-9. to The Hernando Tigers played a better defensive game. Again, you know, they yeah. I basically cut in half the number they gave up against Lausanne, uh, but they were stymied on offense, something I did not – I did expect them to at least score about – you know, 25-21 would not have surprised me, but 25-9 did surprise me. With the loss, the Tigers fall to 1-4 and and 0-1 in district, and they'll look to rebound next week against a a tough South Haven team. So, again, this whole district, we heard Horn Lake is tough. Uh, We know that, um, you know, obviously South Panola is tough, South Haven's tough. Now, you may get, you know, Lewisburg, you know, we'll see, and and, uh, some other ones. But, uh, again, it's going to be a tough chance for them to rebound. But hopefully they can do it and get to 1-1, back to 500 in district. Yeah, you're back into district rivals, which happen to be county rivals here in the city of Fernando for sure. Um, you know, Derek, just just tough. I mentioned to you if, if Sal Panola would commit to the run, they would probably be okay. Um, Hernando's not a very large team uh, from the 6A ranks for sure. Um, but, you know, when Zach's out there, when Wilkie has the ball in his hand – Good things can happen, but just the other night, it just did not come together. South Panola's quarterback was not the uh, the passer that the Lausanne quarterback was and so forth. So just a tough night for the Tigers, but a great, great night from an atmosphere standpoint. The band played before the game because the band was getting rested up for – the next day, they had a big competition over in Olive Branch. That was a big thing. So they did what had performed before. So, you know, just a huge night for the city of Fernando. Huge night for the gate. Huge night for Hernando High School. And keep your heads up, guys. Coach Wolf, I'm sure you'll keep uh, the, the players involved, invested, as we try and get, get a win next week against South Haven. We look forward to covering the uh, football ranks this coming Friday, covering more about volleyball with more information. I want to remind everybody that the high school sport coverage is brought to you by Mobile Car and Van Rental here in Hernando. Please, please, please do not go to the uh, airport or go to South Haven to rent a car anymore. Mobile Car and Van Rental is located right here in Hernando at the corner of Commerce and McCracken. Phone number 662-469-4555. That's 662-469-4555. Late model cars, late model pictures pickup trucks, passenger vans, and cargo vans if you need something like that. Need it for a day, a weekend, or an entire week, or even a month. Call us about our monthly rentals as well. Again, 469-4555. If you enjoy our show, find us on Facebook at UTW Podcast, on Instagram at UTW Podcast, and on Twitter at UTW Pod. Wherever you hear our voice, give us a five-star review. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Give us a five-star review so we can continue to move up in the ranks of local podcasts. If you enjoy our show, look for our brother podcast, OB Pod. Simply stands for Olive Branch. Covers the eastern side of DeSoto County, Center Hill, Olive Branch, and Lewisburg. They give very, very good football coverage for those three schools. Look them up wherever you can hear our voice. Derek, before you and I sign off, let's be sure. I wanted to be sure and invite anyone who would like to attend 
this coming Wednesday, so if you're hearing our voice on Tuesday, this coming Wednesday, Derek and I will be speaking right here under the water tower at the Hernando Rotary Club. Wednesday, what time should you get there, Derek? It's, uh, it starts at noon, so you can get there maybe five or ten minutes before. Second floor of the Hernando Library, uh, the first regional library right there off the square, where we will be uh, the, the featured speakers uh, talking about podcasting, how we got into it, kind of maybe a little bit about what the equipment – but we use, um, and you know, really why we wanted to start this this uh, the UTW podcast. So, uh, really looking forward to being able to do it. I am a member of the Rotary Club, so you know, it kind of feels kind of funny because you're, you're talking to the guys and the women that you see every week. But you know, this is uh, an opportunity for us to kind of explain. There may be other ones out there. Uh, there are several other podcasts in the county. We uh, encourage you to try to find those. Um, but. Again, this is uh, so, uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. I, yeah. I was very honored that they asked me uh, to want to come in, and this was uh, Sam Lauderdale uh, had the the um, I guess the responsibility of finding a speaker. He asked us to do it, and looking forward to it. So yes, if you're something you're interested in, kind of seeing what made us want to do this, kind of how we do it, it, it really is simple. I mean, you know, we're not. I, oh, and maybe you are. You you're m- much more computer tech literate than I am. Uh, but it's not that difficult once you get started. And it's not, it wouldn't cost us a lot of money, uh, but just uh, something we wanted to do. And they're glad that we're doing it. And it seems like we're, you know, at least a couple people every week listen to us. And uh, we're spreading some, not only cheer, but just positivity when all we you really hear around here is negativity. So uh, please, tomorrow at noon, the second floor of the Hernando Library come out. Um, it, you could be our guest. I'll sure. uh, be my guest. Uh, that will be. It's ten dollars to eat if you are a guest. But please come out and. Uh, and usually it's wonderful lunch. Sit down. We won't promise we won't talk more than about twenty thirty minutes, uh, and just uh, kind of hear what you know what led us to doing the UTW podcast. Yeah, we hope to be in- entertaining. We hope to be informational when it comes to podcasting. I know a lot of people in Rotary. There's some. There's going to be some people in Rotary tomorrow that's going to be like, "Hey, what the heck's a podcast?" And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to show those different things. Um, podcasting is really the wave of the future when it comes to digital media and so forth. So, Mr. Sam, we appreciate you inviting us to uh, speak to the Rotary, and really looking forward to that. If you'd like to come tomorrow, second floor of the library, 12 o'clock. If you're interested in eating, it's simply $10. Get a meal. I'm sure a really good catered meal and listen to the uh, couple of clowns that they've invited us, invited to talk to the thing. So, well, Derek, if there's nothing else, I'm Matt. And I'm Derek. Join us next time under the water tower.